may come as a surprise to many of you, but your fearless field guide through Washington State history, heritage, and culture didn't come into being after springing forth from a thermal vent at the bottom of a Salduck hot spring. I also didn't spontaneously materialize as a result of wet Puget Sound air colliding with the arid eastern Washington agricultural climate like a lenticular cloud over Mount Rainier. No, I became a native son of Washington the same way most of you did. I was born here, in Spokane to be precise, which means I have a mother and a father. And around 2005, my parents built and moved into their beloved retirement home in Ocean Shores, Washington. I spent a lot of time there over the years, hiking around Damon Point, rock hopping at the North Jetty, and exploring the Coastal Interpretive Center, which is amazing if you ever get the chance. But one of the more memorable moments in my Ocean Shores experience was getting to discover a shipwreck as the tempestuous weather began shifting the dunes and slowly exposing its hull at the beginning of the century. That ship, as it turns out, was the S.S. Catala, a Canadian coastal passenger and cargo steamship built in 1925. And her life story is as interesting as it is circuitous, at least from my perspective. For it just so happens that my memories of exploring the wreck of the Catala would be reawakened by a chance discovery at my day job leading directly to the full story that you're about to hear. Welcome to the Washington Hour Home Podcast. A little housekeeping before we get started. Everything that I've just mentioned, hiking Damon Point, rock hopping at the jetty, exploring the Interpretive Center, and discovering the Catala, can be found on the blog at www.washingtonhourhome.com. That's O-U-R home.com. It's also where I promote my consulting business, catering to museums, historical societies, and cultural institutions in Washington State. If you'd like to read more about Washington's history, heritage, and culture, or learn about the myriad services I can provide for your organization, just visit washingtonourhome.com. Also, I realized shortly after publishing last month's episode, How to Pronounce Washington's Tricky City Names, that I failed to include any fast facts or a trivia segment, something many of you pointed out. So please accept my apologies and get ready for some massive maritime trivia in this segment to make up for it. And one last thing. This podcast gets hundreds of listens, and the metrics show it is increasing in popularity. So if you'd like to sponsor this podcast and reach a loyal, thoughtful, and dedicated demographic, please shoot me an email at eric, that's E-R-I-C-H, at WashingtonHourHome.com. Now let's get ready to hear the story of a Pacific Northwest steamship that seemed destined for destruction the moment she launched. When the Union Steamship Company of British Columbia launched the Catala in 1925, the company was already 36 years into operation. Founded in 1889, the same year Washington became a state, Union had supplied transportation for the Klondike Gold Rush, as well as World War I, before adding Catala to its impressive lifetime roster of 51 ships. Union had been adding ships to its fleet almost yearly until Catala, built in Montrose, Scotland, which was the last Union ship built, for nearly 20 years. Fast facts for you salty sea slugs, here are the specs on the SS Catala. The passenger ship's tonnage was 1,476 gross, 851 registered. Catala was 229 feet long, with a beam of 37.1 feet and a depth of hold of 18.4 feet. 
The ship was licensed to carry 267 passengers with stateroom capacity for 120 persons and steerage bunks for 48. With a depth of hold of 18.4 feet, she had a cargo capacity of 300 tons, including a refrigerated chamber for 40 tons of boxed fish. Her top speed was 14 knots. Catala was named after Catala Island, which is at the entrance of Esperanza Inlet on the west coast of Vancouver Island. Catala Island had in turn been named in honor of Catholic missionary Father Magan Catala, who was at Santa Cruz de Nuca on Vancouver Island in 1793. Note that the missionary's name is pronounced Catala, while the ship and the island are now known by the different pronunciation, Catala. Catala spent most of her operating career from 1925 to 1958 on the British Columbia coast, carrying coastal freight and passengers. But just over two years into her career, the Catala, traveling through BC's Cunningham Passage, struck Sparrowhawk Reef in reduced visibility condition. Chief Officer Ernest Shepard was at the helm and missed the warning buoy due to glaring sunlight. Captain Alfred E. Dixon, feeling the impact, raced to the bridge and ordered the lifeboats lowered immediately. Passengers began abandoning ship and the local native population, witnessing the crash from the shore, took to their canoes and assisted with the rescue. Ultimately, everyone on board survived the crash. Sparrowhawk Reef lay between 7 and 23 feet deep beneath Cunningham Passage, depending on the tides, and at low tide the Catala rested mid-air between two rock pillars, with her bow sticking out so much that there was a real chance the ship might have broken in two, Titanic style. There's a pretty amazing picture of Catala suspended in the air on the blog at WashingtonOurHome.com, so check that out if you get a chance. Efforts by a number of tugs to free the Catala failed, specifically the efforts of the Salvage Princess and the Salvage King. Apparently they had a whole salvage royal family. Union finally relinquished ownership of the Catala to the insurance company, but indicated that they'd be willing to buy her back if she could be repaired. Eventually, by incrementally blasting out the rock pillars and patching the holes in the hull as blasting proceeded, a salvage crew was able to free the ship and repair the damage at a cost of $175,000. Adjusting for inflation, that amounts to nearly $2.6 million today. True to its word, the company bought her back and Catala resumed her weekly sailing schedule out of Vancouver. Again, and this is a little surprising, under the command of Captain No, It's Cool, You Take the Wheel, I'm Gonna Get Some Shut-Eye, Dixon. That really wasn't his nickname. For the next 30 years, the Catala steamed north and south along the western Canadian coastline without incident, until she was finally sold to new owners in British Columbia for use as a fish-buying ship. But her career change didn't last long. The rest of the story, right after this quick break. Hey, sweetie, what did you learn in school today? I learned that the 2020 census counts everyone in the U.S. Where there are more people, there are more needs for things like roads, schools, and hospitals. I learned that billions in funding goes to communities like ours because of the census. Hundreds of billions. I learned that the Census Bureau collects data about communities in all states and territories of the U.S. The Statistics in Schools program teaches preschool to high school students about the importance of a complete count in the 2020 census. A complete count informs federal funding for our communities for the next decade. When newborn babies and children are not counted, support for programs such as health insurance, hospitals, childcare, 
food assistance, schools, and early childhood development is impacted. Statistics in Schools offers free educational materials powered by census data. Shape your future. Start here. Get 2020 census resources at census.gov schools. Paid for by the U.S. Census Bureau. By 1962, the new owners decided to repurpose the Catala to take advantage of a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity taking place just south in Seattle. It was the Century 21 Exposition, also known as the Seattle World's Fair, held April 21st through October 21st of that year. Nearly 10 million people attended the fair, which will for sure be a future Washington Our Home podcast episode. The Catala's owners had her converted into something called a botel, which is obviously a portmanteau of the words boat and hotel. Once the fair ended and the crowds dispersed, Catala was moved south to California and was used as a floating restaurant for a few months. When that endeavor went belly up, she was brought back north again and found a home in Ocean Shores, Washington, where she again found work as a floating botel. For three wonderful years, Catala helped visitors to Washington's marvelous coastline enjoy their stay in a fun and unique fashion. There's no telling how many families hold cherished memories of playing on the beach, frolicking in the surf, and then resting their heads back in their boat hotel. Of course, I'm speculating. For all I know, it could have been a rat trap. After all, it was already 40 years old, and who knows how much or how little renovation the new owners invested in her. One website cited it as, quote, a hotel for charter fishermen complete with poker games and prostitutes, unquote. Materials at the Ocean Shores Interpretive Center claim that, quote, guests had their choice of staying in the overnight accommodations, enjoying dining in the activities of several lounges, and fishing for salmon, all aboard the beautifully refurbished ship. I'd like to think that she was just as grand a recreational vessel as she was a passenger and freight ship, so let's just pretend that's the case, hmm? It was a cold, wet, and blustery New Year's Day in 1965 when the winter storm hit and wreaked havoc along Washington's coastline. Entire beaches changed their shape or disappeared completely as the pounding waves ate away at the shore. New beaches were formed by that sand being deposited elsewhere. And in the tumult of the storm, Catala's moorings broke loose, setting her adrift in the undulating surf. The 229-foot hotel rolled violently from port to starboard and back again for who knows how long until the waves finally drove her like a spear tip deep into the heart of Damon Point, sometimes called Protection Island, at the mouth of Grays Harbor. And there she stayed. Efforts to refloat Catala failed, and the wreck was left to decay at the beach on Damon Point. For more than 20 years, she was vandalized and pillaged, and in the late 1980s, some poor girl fell through a rusted portion of her deck, breaking her back. Her family sued the state of Washington, which in turn ordered the wreck cut up. Catala was torn down to the sand level and then buried, left to memories and sand crabs for nearly 20 more years. But much like that New Year's Day storm in 1965, subsequent storms began to remove and displace material from Catala's sandy grave. And little by little, 
she began to see the light of day again until a succession of winter storms in the late 1990s exposed enough hull to once again make her an unofficial tourist attraction. As I said when we started this episode, my parents have had property on ocean shores since the 1980s and built their palatial retirement home there. I've spent nearly as much time as an actual resident of Ocean Shores exploring the beaches, specifically around Damon Point. I made a video about my search for snowy owls on Damon Point several years ago. You can find that on the Washington Our Home YouTube channel. And in 2005, I got to see the exposed wreck of the SS Catala with my own eyes. Though mostly rusted through, you could still make out portholes and an occasional hatch, now welded shut, Standing amidst the ruins of a once-proud shipping vessel and later iconic floating hotel was certainly something to behold. Then, the following year, something happened that drove the last nail into Catala's proverbial coffin. The storied ship that had seen just as much time above ground as below was about to meet her final and most resolute end. But first, it's trivia time. These questions are all shipwreck and maritime themed in honor of today's topic. And as always, I'll have the answers at the end of the episode so you can see how good or how bad you are at Washington State history, heritage, and culture. Question one. What was the name of the largest three-masted schooner ever built in North America and the first ship to be listed in the National Register? Obviously, there's a Washington State connection, so hopefully that'll narrow it down for you the name of the largest three-masted schooner ever built in North America. Question two. In 1985, the Arco Anchorage, a single-hulled oil tanker, was traveling at less than two knots when it drifted aground, spilling 239,000 gallons of crude oil into the harbor at Port Angeles, the largest spill in Washington state history. What was the official recorded cause? Question three, an easy one. What is the name of the official Washington state ship? I'll give you a hint. It shares the name of the state. All right, that's too easy. Where and why was she built and what is she named after? That ought to keep you busy. Question four. What ship, wrecked in 1841, gave its name to the spit on which it found its final resting place? And here's a hint, since there are spits all over Washington's coastline. It's near the mouth of the biggest river in Washington. And question five. What was the name of the fleet of passenger steamships that served small Puget Sound communities in the early 1900s? And who were they owned by? Those, my friends, are your trivia questions for this month. Answers at the end of the podcast. We'll get back to what fate finally befell the SS Catala right after this. COVID-19, better known as coronavirus, has spread throughout the world. Symptoms of this respiratory disease may include fever, cough, and shortness of breath. These symptoms may show up 2 to 14 days after exposure. If you are experiencing these symptoms and have come into contact or are in an area with an ongoing outbreak, please call a hotline and or consult with a physician. Clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces. For more information, please visit cdc.gov forward slash COVID-19. Thank you. Well, 
Welcome back to the Washington Hour Home Podcast and the story of the wreck of the SS Catala on Damon Point in Ocean Shores. When we last left the now-exposed remains of the Catala in 2005, your fearless field guide had been exploring her rusted-out carcass with his family and loyal canine companion Kala. Nothing of importance happened that day. But less than a year later, in April 2006, a beachcomber, exploring the wreckage, poked a piece of driftwood into an opening on the hull's side and discovered a thick black sludge dripping from the end of the stick. The State Department of Ecology quickly teamed up with natural resources, fish and wildlife, and parks and recreation, as well as local agencies within the city of Ocean Shores and Grays Harbor County, and federal agencies, including U.S. Fish and Wildlife, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, and the U.S. Coast Guard, to plan the cleanup of oil from the Catala and prevent the threat of an oil spill from her unstable tanks. Damon Point provides important habitat for a range of wildlife, including Dungeness crab, harbor seals, salmon, trout, and herring, some nesting birds, such as the western snowy plovers and streaked horned larks, are actually threatened or candidates for the Federal Endangered Species Act. Gray whales migrate just offshore and feed in the bay. The agencies knew the risk of an oil spill would require a well-crafted response to protect the public, the workers, and the environment. After cordoning off the wreck, they realized there were many challenges to reaching the oil in the tanks of the Catala. The ship lay at an angle from bow to stern and tilted almost 20 degrees from port side to starboard side. While the bow was exposed by winter storms, the stern was buried nearly 20 feet below the surface. In addition, the back half was covered by seawater. In order to get workers safely into the tanks at the bottom of the ship in this dynamic environment, a complicated plan had to be carried out. The main features of the plan were to completely surround the ship with a sheet pile wall that was driven 35 feet below the surface. Then, remove the sand on top of the hull by using an excavator and heavy-duty vacuum system. This part was tricky because the hull still moved with the rise and fall of the tides. Crews then cut openings in the tank tops and pumped out the oily water and the liquid oil. Then they had to heat up the thick oil with a hot water circulating system so that could be pumped out. After they got everything they could without going inside, workers were sent inside the tanks to scrape and steam clean and wash down the remaining oil. When finished, they cut the cleaned tanks from the hull and lifted them out of the sheet pile cell to be cut into 5x5 five five sections for off-site recycling, along with the remaining components of the hull. Then, crews sampled the sand beneath the hull after it was completely removed to ensure the sand was clean. Once they got the green light, they removed the sheet pile wall, reshaped the beach sand in the work zone, and replaced the drift logs. Finally, the heavy equipment and vehicles left the site and nary a shred of evidence could be found to indicate there had ever been a once-proud 81-year-old passenger liner turned quirky restaurant and hotel buried in the sand. Time for some more fast facts for you maritime mavens. By the end of August 2007, all of the oil, asbestos cleaning materials, oil-contaminated sand, and the remaining hull of the Catala had been completely removed from the beach and sent off-site for recycling, treatment, or disposal. The following is a list of major accomplishments by the agencies and contractors involved. Heavy fuel oil removed and recycled, 34,500 gallons. 
Oily water collected and transported off-site for treatment, 360,000 gallons. Oil-contaminated sand removed and disposed of, 2,585 tons. Asbestos-containing material removed and disposed of, 33 cubic yards. Scrap steel removed and sent for recycling, 345 tons. Worker hours with no reportable injuries, 36,000 hours. Amount of oil spilled as a result of site operations, zero. Total project cost for ecology to remove the oil and restore the beach, 6.5 million. Total cost for natural resources to remove the ship's hull, a half a million. Visitors to Damon Point today would never know of the events that unfolded in the sand between 1965 and 2006, and frankly, that's probably for the best. The potential threat to the natural area and nearby wilderness preserve would have been incalculable had those tanks fully ruptured, and we should feel fortunate to live in a state that would rather spend the money to clean it up instead of keep it buried and look the other way. As for the history of the SS Catala, much of that is preserved in great detail at the nearby Coastal Interpretive Center in Ocean Shores. You can pick up a brochure along with a poster of all the major shipwrecks in the vicinity throughout the past several hundred years. There are interpretive movies to watch, books to buy and read, and the last remaining pieces of the Catala to touch and imagine. Time for the answers to this episode's trivia questions. Question one was the largest three-masted schooner ever built in North America and the first ship listed in the National Register? The answer is Wawona, an American fore and aft schooner that sailed from 1897 to 1947 as a lumber carrier and fishing vessel based in Puget Sound. She was one of the last survivors of the sailing schooners in the West Coast lumber trade and despite efforts to restore the decaying ship, she was finally dismantled in March 2009. In 2012, artist John Grade used parts from the ship in a massive 65-foot sculpture called Wawona in the Grand Atrium of Seattle's Museum of History and Industry. Wood from the ship was also used to create the museum's front desk and the bar at the museum's Compass Cafe. Question two was, what caused the Arco Anchorage oil tanker to run aground and spill nearly a quarter million gallons of crude into the Port Angeles Harbor? And the answer is, pilot error. The Arco Anchorage's toll ended up being 13 million for cleanup, 500,000 in ship repairs, and as many as 4,000 dead birds. Question three, everybody knows the official state ship is the Lady Washington, but why was she built and what was she named after? The Lady Washington was built in Aberdeen, Washington to commemorate the 1889 Washington State Centennial Celebrations. She was named after the original Lady Washington, an 18th century sloop that harassed British shipping during the American Revolutionary War. Post-war, the vessel was used as a merchant trading vessel in the Pacific. Named in honor of Martha Washington, she was the first American-flagged vessel to round Cape Horn. She was the first recorded vessel to make landfall on the Oregon coast near Tillamook. Explorer John Mears claims she was the first non-native vessel to circumnavigate Vancouver Island. And she was the first American vessel to reach Japan before she eventually foundered in the Philippines in 1797 and sank at the mouth of the Mestizo River. 
Question four. What ship gave its name to the spit on which it wrecked? On July 18, 1841, the 18-gun U.S. Navy sloop USS Peacock, part of the Wilkes expedition to explore the Pacific coast, wrecked at the north side of the Columbia River's entrance. American missionaries arrived from Point Adams with tents and food. The crew set up a temporary camp calling it Peacockville and marking it with the Peacock's American flag. Below Cape Disappointment, the ocean's force tore the ship apart, leaving only her bowsprit plunged into the sand to mark her grave. The partially submerged sand spit is now known as Peacock Spit. And question five. What was the name of the fleet of passenger steamships that served small Puget Sound communities in the early 1900s, and who were they owned by? That would be the Mosquito Fleet, owned by a multitude of private transportation companies running smaller passenger and freight boats on Puget Sound and nearby waterways and rivers. This large group of steamers and sternwheelers plied the waters of Puget Sound, stopping at every waterfront dock. The name Mosquito Fleet was appropriate, as viewing Puget Sound from a high vantage point was said to resemble a swarm of mosquitoes crisscrossing the waters. Well, that's it for this month's episode, and there are literally hundreds more stories of fabled shipwrecks up and down the coast of the greatest state in the lower 48. Hopefully we'll have more of those stories in the coming months. Please take a quick second to rate this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Blueberry, or whatever podcast listening service you happen to use. More ratings help more people find the podcast and help us spread the word. A five-star rating would be much appreciated. Be sure to subscribe for new episodes featuring stories from Washington State's history, heritage, and culture. And follow Washington Our Home on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. There's lots of great video content on YouTube. And if you're looking for scenic pictures from around the state, look no further than our Pinterest pages. And speaking of pictures, check out the blog post on the SS Catala at WashingtonOurHome.com. Lots of great pictures of the ship and other supplemental content. You won't be disappointed. I hope you enjoyed this month's episode. You can reach me at eric at washingtonourhome.com. That's E-R-I-C-H at Washington, our, O-U-R, home.com. Next month, it's part three of our epic Washington State Pronunciation Guide. We'll be looking at, and hopefully not butchering, many of the Native American names given to people, places, and things in Washington State. I have to admit, I'm a little nervous about this one, so I promise to do as much research as I can in the hopes of making our First Nations proud. Until then, I'm your fearless field guide, Eric Ebel, and I'll see you somewhere in Washington. <laughs> <laughs>